We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. At this time, children, you are dismissed. Ages seven on down can head to the lights. Looks like Tim and Susie Allen are teaching our kids. Tim with a busted rib or few. So, man, that should be an encouragement to us all. It's awesome. That's great. Hey, good morning. Great to see you guys here. Um, I tell you what, it doesn't get any better than uh, worshiping the Lord uh, week in and week out with the same people where we get to witness um, the ups and downs of life, the joys, the sorrows, and uh, to look across the aisle or to hear from behind you someone singing, hey, God is still good, and we, we're going to lift our hearts to Him. Uh, that, that is the local church, and it's the best. And, um, and it's a privilege to, uh, to take part in pastoring you guys. Lucy? Great to have you here this morning. <laughs> Would you guys open up your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3? Daniel chapter 3. If you're visiting with us, we've been in the book of Daniel. Last week, we studied about Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And if you just were, got so excited, if you got kind of lost into that dream and into the future, and if your mind was like, Yes, I can't wait till the coming kingdom. And when, I mean, we were there. We were there this week. It's like we're pulling it back a little bit. And Daniel wants us to know what it's like living in Babylon. And so we're in Daniel chapter 3. And this morning, I just want to start out right away and ask you a question, an applicational question. And it goes something like this. I want you to come up with a scenario in your mind right away of the hardest possible situation that you could go through. The most difficult scenario that would put um, your faith to the test. Maybe the, the, the hottest threat of, of persecution or the most difficult suffering in your life. The, the, the hardest thing you can come up with, okay? Maybe where, where you could lose it all. Your job, your house, your family, um, perhaps even your, your life. And so throughout uh, this message, really I want you to solidify that scenario in your mind so that you can hear really one of the most popular stories in the Scriptures. I think everyone knows this. Everyone's heard it as a child. And, uh, and be able to apply it to your life. So uh, this story in Daniel 3 
I think it's going to inspire us all. It's going to challenge us all not to bow down to the pressures of Babylon, not to buckle under pressure, and not to just tuck tail and run because of persecution. So this morning's uh, sermon title, if you're taking notes, is Forever With. If you've been tracking with us, the theme of, of Daniel throughout is a forever kingdom. And so this morning, we're saying the chapter 3 sends this message to us that our God is forever with us. And the timeless truth, the message of this passage, is that God grants us His presence with His people in the fire to spread His fame. That's the message in a sentence. Two points that will govern our time together. Um, the first chunk or the first part of our passage, we'll, we'll be talking about what it's like to have persecution in Babylon. And then uh, next we'll talk about the presence that we can experience with the Lord in Babylon. And really this morning I've had it on my heart to read large portions of this passage. Uh, many of you have heard it. You've told it to your kids but uh, it's been a while since we've actually read the words from the Scriptures and not just from a children's Bible. And so I would like to encourage you to take out your, your bookmark in your Bible, land it in three, and let's, um, let's spend a lot of time reading it together, okay? So I'm going to start with verses 1. I'll stop at verse 7. Let your eyes follow along with me. This is Daniel chapter 3. The word of the Lord. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Here's verse 3. Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image of King that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Verse 7, Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So let's just look at the first part of our text this morning, what it's like to live in Babylon. 
Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're feeling pressures from all around them, from the top down, from the government, um, as well as they're, they're feeling heat from the side, from their peers, from their, from their contemporaries, from their, their co-workers, the people that they see and talk with on a regular basis. But could I just go ahead and tell you, like almost give away the meaning of today's message right away? I think 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10 is a key passage to know and understand uh, for us this morning. Let me read it for you. It's up on the screen. It says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. It's a great passage. Other translations for afflicted say that you're pressured from every side. Or some say that you're hard-pressed. Almost like you're stepping on or you're pressing on grapes that, that squeeze out. I remember when we used to live in Texas. Uh, right down the road, there was this Delaney Vineyards. And every August, they would invite the community out um, for us to pick the grapes, throw them in a big vat, and step on them like they used to do old school. And I remember taking our socks and shoes off, and getting in that big old bat and hanging on the sides and feeling that juice. I know, I know. Go ahead and make that face with me. Just squeeze between your toes, right? And then we would just drink it right afterwards. I'm just kidding. Right. <laughs> but that was the idea. This idea that, that things were hard-pressed down upon you. And some of you this morning feel like you're squeezed, like you're hard-pressed on every side, almost like you're going to pop like a grape. And this morning, what an encouragement to know that although suffering comes, although affliction comes, although persecution comes, that God is going to grant us His very presence not just to rescue us out of the fiery furnace, but actually, and we're going to see this today, that He's going to meet us in there. And at the end of the story, we're going to see it's not just to do that for us alone, but He's going to use that for a witness so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. He's going to use those fiery trials to spread his fame throughout this community and the globe. So let's see how that happens in Daniel 3, shall we? First couple of verses, do you see how Nebuchadnezzar responds to the dream right after chapter 2? Some scholars say that in between chapter 2 and chapter 3, there's 18 years of difference. And if you were keen on Nebuchadnezzar's responses when Daniel gave him the, the dream and its interpretation, in word, the guy praised the Lord. 
now we see in retrospect or hindsight, we say it's 2020. We go, that might have just been a nice little profession of faith in word only. This guy's not a believer. And he actually runs opposite and he erects a statue that is nothing like the one in the dream. It's all gold. What do you think he's saying? Of course. He's saying, my power, my empire, my name, my renown, it will always go on. The head of gold that was in chapter 2, we're going to make the whole statue gold because I'm living forever and my, my kingdom will never end. The arrogancy, right? He made it 60 cubits high, uh, which if you're measuring a cubit um, by about 18 inches, that would be about a 90-foot tall statue. If you're keen on like statues around America, that would, it would kind of look like the Washington Monument, just in the plains of Dura, and all of a sudden, a 90-foot a tall statue. He gave this commandment, whoever wouldn't bow down to this statue, you'd be immediately cast in the burning, fiery furnace. And there we go. The government has declared something that is directly opposed to the first commandment. First commandment goes something like this. You can find it in Exodus 20. It says, you shall have no other gods before me. And the next, next commandment, the next words go like this. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I am the Lord God and I am a jealous God. It's pretty clear. So what would you do? Would you take a bullet for this first commandment? In that scenario... In the scenario that you're crafting in your mind, the hardest thing that could potentially happen to you, suffering, affliction, persecution, what would you do if someone gave you the option of first commandment or what I say? I love what one author writes. Let me read it for you. It's a little bit longer of a quote, but track with me. This is a situational ethics quote. Ready? In this situation... It would be all, all right for some to bow down because they wouldn't get killed if they didn't. Certainly God would not want these young men to die, would he? Others would argue in terms of culture. The Babylonians are not going to understand the laws of our God. We don't want to offend our culture and ruin our witness. We will bow down now so they will listen to us later. Anyway, nobody will know and no one will see us. Still others would argue forgiveness. We have a loving God who is slow to anger and quick to forgive. We will bow down just this one time and then we will ask forgiveness. God is more understanding and forgiving than these Babylonians. Some would make a silent protest. We will kneel on the outside 
but we will be standing and worshiping on the inside, in our hearts. God will understand. Isn't that true? Isn't that how our deceived mind sometimes works? There's a little bit of truth in every one of those, wasn't there? Yeah. One of our favorite quotes as a family is, discernment and wisdom isn't the ability to discern between right and wrong. It's the ability to discern right and almost right. These three guys, they could have come up with a lot of excuses to justify their disobedience to the law of God. So they were feeling heat from the top down, and they decided to follow the Lord. And when they did, they started feeling heat from the sides too. Let's read verses 8 through 12, okay? Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever! You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Verse 12, Therefore, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Sometimes our contemporaries are the hardest on us. And isn't it interesting, even in our own life, that we are bold with strangers for the gospel. Like we are so fiery bold on like a mission trip to Mexico we can be bold with waiters and waitresses and restaurants and you know, strangers that we see along the road. But it is oftentimes hardest to be a witness to the guy at the gym that we see three times a week. Or to the, to the other person in the cubicle right next to us. To the office, people, to the neighbors. It's so hard to witness to them, to be bold, to be strong uh, for the Lord in the presence of them. Why? I think it's because we see them every day. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't want to like make my life hard every day, you know? But Daniel's three friends. Do you notice how Daniel isn't even in this passage? It's such a, like even a, a message of discipleship, his influence on these three people. It's great. But they stood strong in the moment of temptation and clung to the first commandment. And this made Nebuchadnezzar furious. Watch his fury. Verse 13. We're transitioning now into the part where we're going to see God's presence with his people as the heat gets turned up. Verse 13, then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods 
or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? For further study, if you want to like figure out all the repetition of this passage, go for it. I mean, they just keep on saying the instruments and saying the people who are here. I think there's some deep meaning in there. But I want to just point out one thing. Don't you just love it how the bad guys always ask the most pointed, thoughtful questions in Scripture? Like uh, Mark 2, he, the, the paralytic comes down. The bad guys go, who can forgive sins but God alone? And you're like reading it, you're like, that's what I was going to say. Exactly. The answer is nobody except God alone. That's what Jesus is doing, right? And Nebuchadnezzar here goes like, who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? The bad guys are actually really thoughtful. They ask good questions. You'll see who's going to do it. That's not even the climax of the story. Read with me at verse 16 on. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Watch this. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Why? Because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were already bowing down to a sovereign God, the sovereign God of Israel. It's important to note, it's a great passage right here, that these three guys uh, weren't what we would call modern day, they weren't prosperity theologians. They weren't like, well... If we say this, and if we do this, and if we are strong for the Lord, then we can get God to act in the way that we would like him to act. If we follow him, then God will follow our preferences in how things will turn out. No. They trusted him that he will deliver them as he knows best. Amen? Last week I got a who day when I asked for amen. <laughs> that was funny. I've never gotten that before. But, yeah. So their hearts were, hey, if we're in the fire, that's fine. Um, we'll, we'll go to heaven. And if we go in the fire, he'll deliver us. But either either way, I mean, like it's it's already made up in my, our minds. Their convictions were steeled. So to them, it was like a win-win situation. 
Philippians 1.21, same kind of deal. Paul says, for me to live is Christ and and to die is He. It's a win-win situation. If I die, it's better by far. I'm going to be with Christ. Which is a great like verse to deny soul sleep, by the way. Like If you die, you're with Jesus right away. But if I'm going to go on living, I'm going to live for Jesus. It's a win-win situation. Verse 19, Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Apparently, I think he probably liked them. It's probably why he gave him a second chance to bow him down. They were good guys. And he ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Verse 21, Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics. Watch the details of how they went in. And their garments and their hats. And they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because of the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 23. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down into the burning, fiery furnace. Note the detail of how many men were in there. And the repetition of names. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth, watch this guess, is like the son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning, fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over them over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. And no smell of fire had come upon them. What a great story. So good. It's just one of the most remarkable stories in the Old Testament. I just love this story. Daniel and his three friends were thrown into a furnace. We read the text together. Such detail was given to what they were wearing and, and even how they were bound first and their cloaks, their tunics and how they came out. Not even a hair on their head was singed. Can you imagine that? If you ever come over to my house and grill, I mean, all my hair and my arm is singed every time. It's crazy. I don't know how to light that thing. But the most remarkable thing in this story is that someone was in there with them. Isn't it? Nebuchadnezzar took a guess. It was a pretty good guess for not a believer. He's like, he, kinda, he looks like a son of the gods. And we know that it was the son of God. 
Amen? It's the second person of the Godhead. Sometimes in the Old Testament, the Son, we know as Jesus, appears. Theologians call this a, a Christophany, which is a literal appearing of Christ before he came in his first advent. And this is a great example of one of them. And check this out. I already said this, but we just need to keep on saying this and remember this and allow this to permeate our hearts and become a part of our culture of everyday dialogue. This is the truth of this text. God just didn't rescue them out of the fire. He met them in there. And, he, and then he delivered them out of the fire. One author states, and we have this on the screen for you. When you walk into a fiery furnace, rest assured, Jesus is already there waiting for you. You got that scenario in your mind yet? Does that quote comfort you? So whatever your fiery furnace is right now, and it's okay to ask it like that. You know, I, we're, all, we're all humans. We all tend to compare. We all tend to be like, well, I mean, nobody's asking me to bow down to a 90-foot statue. There's no like literal furnace um, going on in my life. And so... You start like playing those 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 like mind games, and you start dismissing your problems, and you you write them off as like a non-issue because you're like, at least I'm not like being thrown into the fire, and so then your response is, well, if it's that small, then watch this. I think I can handle this. Emphasis on I, emphasis on handle, right? And so it's like, well, psh, I, can, I can deal with my heavy-handed like jerk of a boss. Or I can, I can deal with my really mean teacher or that difficult professor or like my wayward spouse or that friend in school. Ah, she drives me crazy. He drives, but I can handle it. It's, I can do this on my own. It's, at least I'm not being thrown in the fiery furnace like these three guys. I'm kind of a spiritual wimp compared to them. And you start training your mind to compare it. And pretty soon, you're operating in this life by diminishing the things that are going on in your life and showing ownership and control over everything. And pretty soon, you're not walking with God. You're trusting in yourself. And you're not experiencing His presence. Anyone there with me? This week, by the grace of God, I've, I've allowed this text to just work in my own heart. And I've, I've, seen, I've seen it work in my heart. I have seen that when it comes to discouraging moments in my life, that the feeling that will begin to surface from my heart will be one of loneliness. And I have believed the lie that I don't think anyone understands. No one gets me. I'm probably the only one. 
And this week, I, I've repented of that sin. And I, I, I repent to you guys today of that sin. That feeling of aloneness. Actually, God has met me there. He's met me in my sin. He's met me in my discouragements as they, surf, as they surface. He hasn't just said, Newman, just cut it out. Just stop thinking that way. Actually, he's met me there and transformed my mind and my heart to cling to him. It's been so good for me to study this passage. This isn't just a kid's story. This one's for me. Charles Spurgeon, when he was preaching through this book, he said this about chapter 3. Beloved, you must go into the furnace if you would have the nearest and dearest dealings with Christ Jesus. <laughs> why is that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why that is, but he does seem to use the fiery furnace situations to burn off the dross and the impurities of, of my own heart so that I could be nearer to him. It's his, his goal, his desire. That's what he does. So that at the end of the day, I could say, his nearness is my good. And the nearness factor which no other world religions can claim. They're all far off and distant. That nearness was fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. When he came to the earth, the announcement was that he will be Emmanuel, which means it's Matthew 1, 23. It's just the beautiful truth of Christianity. And he lived, lived the perfect life, and as he was on that road to Calvary, the unbearable sufferings and the treacherous death on our behalf, that occurred in order that we would not have one single ounce of our souls be singed by the fiery furnace of hell that we deserve. And if it was just that, if it was just that, that he saved me from hell, it, it would be enough. It really would. But there's more. There's more than that. He actually gives us his presence to walk with us in this life. He gives us his Holy Spirit. Let me read Isaiah 43 for you. This is a, just a beautiful passage. It says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, parentheses, this is not Daniel, right? This is Isaiah writing this. How did he get this? When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. How firm a foundation. Saints have sung this for ages. Listen. When through the deep water I call thee to go, the rivers of woe shall not thee overflow. For I will be with thee. Thy troubles to bless 
and sanctify it to thee thy deepest distress. When through fiery trials, where to get that? Oh. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace, all sufficient, shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee. I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. Amen. Hey, have you solidified in your mind your fiery furnace yet? Hopefully throughout this message, you've heard these three guys, but you've, you've interwoven it with your own life, with what's going on right now. Do you have that hardest scenario pictured in your mind? I'd like to add to your scenario right now. I'd like to add to this element to it. Instead of, you have this scenario in your mind, and I'd like you to share this scenario in your community groups, with your families. Like, so, like at lunchtime, you go, so, hey, babe, what were you thinking? What were you thinking, sweetheart? Hey, what were you thinking, son? What were you thinking, daughter? Okay. But I'd like to add this to your scenario. Because I would guess that most of us have this mindset of that God is with us in this hard scenario and that he enables us to be faithful in it. And then he delivers us from it. And then the scenario stops. As if we pass the test. Right? Alright, praise the Lord. But the part that I want to add is about how God uses this test to start spreading his fame amongst all your neighbors all your friends, all your family, all this community, and it starts this ripple effect over the whole globe. So I'd like to add the part about missions. So the truth is that our God is there for you in the fiery furnace, but also church, beloved, he wants to use this fiery furnace to make his name and renown known. He has a mission, and the mission is his fame. And he wants to use you to spread his fame. Let's read the last few verses. This is 28. Watch how God's fame spreads. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servant. That was a guess. It wasn't an angel, but it was, it was a good guess. Who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies. You should be reminded of Romans 12, 1 and 2, right? Rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. His question was answered. <laughs> then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the providence of Babylon. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this week, remember, 
Don't bow down to Babylon. Don't do it. Don't bow down to the pressures that you will face. The persecutions of this world. And be comforted that there is another in the fire with you. You're not alone. But it won't stop there. He's going to use it. Have hope. He will use it to spread his fame. Let's sing about that, shall we? Would you stand with us? Worship team, will you come up? And I'd like to just pray that we would, we would believe this, not just as a story, not just as a nice time on Sunday morning, but that we would use these truths and we, we would open up our hearts and say, yes, Lord, I want you to transform my thinking. I want you to train my mind for action. I want you to show me that you're with me. Would I rely on my presence? So let's pray and then we'll sing these truths together. Lord, we, we want this of our life. We want to be used by you. Lord, we want to be faithful servants of a forever king. And we thank you that you are with us. Mothers that are, that are taking care of their children, they feel alone. Encourage them they're not alone. Fathers that feel discouraged and depressed and stuck in their jobs, encourage them that they are not alone. For kids who are growing up in such a difficult time, where the morals of this culture have been flipped upside down and they are going through tremendous trials and suffering. To stand strong for Jesus is a tremendously difficult thing. Show them all. Show us all that you are with us and you are in the fire with us. And you're going to help us. You're going to walk with us. And you're going to enable us to do the right thing. And it's going to sting. It's going to hurt. But you are going to get so much glory from it. I pray that our church would believe that it's going to be worth it. Lord, give them a boldness. Give them a winsomeness. Give them a kindness. Give them a gentleness. Lord, give them a fiery passion for your fame. Would you do this? And we're going to watch and we're going to give you all the glory.